The topic of this workshop is long timers, more than 25 years. My name is Margaret Ann. I'm a compulsive overeater and the moderator for this workshop. I came into Overeaters Anonymous in February of 1990 as 215 pounds of chain smoking, suicidal fun. I am not like that today. So I think I qualify to be here. The speakers today are Jean D and Beth S. Let's start the meeting with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The format for this workshop is that each speaker will have up to 20 minutes, and then the floor will be open for two-minute shares. The audio, not the video, from this session is being recorded and will not be edited. Please note that this session will be available online or as a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. By sharing, you consent to be recorded. Please. Do not share if you do not want to be recorded. Here is some Zoom info. Attendees are automatically muted. We ask that you keep what you see and hear here confidential and that there be no recordings or screen captures. Please respect the anonymity of all who attend. Please stop your video if you are walking around or eating. We ask that you rename yourself to the first name, your first name and your last initial. Please feel free to add your state, province or country. Also, please note that the chat is set to host only until the speakers are finished. That means that whatever you put in the chat will go to the hosts, but will not be seen by the rest of the people in this meeting. We also have closed captioning available. Click on live transcript, which you should see at the top of your screen. To our speakers, the timer will give a signal when five minutes remain and when time is up. Our timer today is Marlene. There she is. Okay, our first speaker is Jean. Hi. I'm not often at a loss for words, but I'll start off at a loss for words. Um, my name is Jean. I'm a compulsive overeater and food addict. I live in Rhode Island. Uh, I'm very humbled and honored to be here today and share with you all my, my journey in OA. Uh, I usually say, I forget sometimes, but I usually say at my home group, honey, I'm home. About a year ago, I went I went to a local store and bought a um, seltzer water making machine and inside the inside cover, guess what it said? So the people on the Zoom can see it. It said, honey, I'm home. <laughs> so I've got this in my top drawer. And when I'm Zooming, I put it up because I remember that I'm home. I mean, OA has been a home for me for 44 years. I'm 68 years old. I came in at age 24. Gosh, that's so, man, that's so long ago. I just celebrated in August, on August 15th, I celebrated 35 years of abstinence. I'm very grateful to continue to come to Overeaters Anonymous. It's my first 12-step program. It's food is my drug of choice. I have other things I am in recovery for, but food is my, my go-to, my, um, <laughs> used to be my go-to. Uh, anyway. Um, trying to think of what else I can tell you. I've always gone to meetings. Uh, I didn't always listen to my sponsor. You know, I've had sponsors over the years. I, I didn't always listen to them. I don't have a huge weight loss. That's something that you need to know about me. I think I've lost and maintained about 20 pounds in that time. I've never been obese. I've never, I cannot identify with that. I had an anorexic state. <laughs> was period, probably about a year before I got married, maybe six months. So that was in 1978. And um, I was I was thin. I'm about 122 now pounds. And back then I was about 107. 
Um, so I'm pretty comfortable at this weight right now. I'm able to, what still surprises me is the idea of being able to um, get into clothing each season. It never ceases to amaze me. And when I go down cellar to get my chain, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a, you know, seasonal clothes and, and they're stored in the basement for the most part. But when I bring them up and I put them on, somehow they still fit. That still floors me. I don't know why. It's just amazing to me. Um, I have two sponsors. I'm in two other 12-step programs. And I think one of them is on today, which I'm very grateful for. We've been sponsoring each other, at least with our food plans and life issues for the past 35 years. And I'm very grateful for that. It's really held me in good stead. Uh, I've, um, I recently did, you know, I, I, my sponsor said to me, one of my sponsors said to me, because I'm asking people to pray for me because I'm going to go on this thing this afternoon, you know, and I'm all a little excited about it and a little anxious and a little, but okay too. Uh, and my sponsor said to me, um, you know, just don't overthink it, Jean. You know, she, she's not one to have a lot of notes when she shares. So uh, that's kind of how I've been brought up. And it's really, I'm asking God in. So I'm going to end my, probably my first, I think we're given five minutes. I'd like to say the third step prayer and you all can say it to yourselves just so that I get grounded and centered um, so that it's not, it's not about me. Uh, so the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may be a witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And my sponsor says to me, you know, in the big book, that's out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and there is no amen at the end of that prayer. And, and I've learned, at least from the studies that I've gone to on the Zoom about the big book, that the amen comes at the end of the seventh step prayer. And that steps three through seven are sandwiched or you know, kind of like bookending each other. Those two prayers bookend each other and protect us while we're working those steps, which is extremely important. Um, a friend of mine left me a voicemail the other day because I was asking her you know, to pray for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a work in progress. And she, she referred me to the Voices of Recovery, one of our daily readers, and on page 295, which was two days ago, I think this is the one she was referring to. I'm going to read it. It's October 21, page 295. We offer our own hope, our own courage, and our own experience experiences. That's from Beyond Our Wildest Dreams, page 33. Hope was the gift I was given. When my sponsor put her arms around my obese, smelly body, she said, it never has to hurt like this again. In spite of my doubts, I felt hope. With that hope came courage. A deep inner courage resides within each of us. The disease has told us for so long that we don't have enough courage, but that is another of its lies. Tapping into that courage requires only the tiniest bit of willingness to change, to take a chance that the literature and people with long-term abstinence are telling the truth and that we deserve recovery. Our experiences are, are our gift to the newcomer and a reminder of how far we've come. I keep coming back because people are there for me when I need them most. It is a privilege to help keep the doors open and the lights on. Someone like I used to be is bound to walk in one day needing to hear it never has to hurt like this again. I uh, just want to digress. So that was really spot on for me and, and very helpful. Um, I was living at home when I was 24 years old and my mother had started to go to Overeaters Anonymous the year before in 1976. She read about it in the newspaper on a Dear Abby column. Um, and she was, I just watched her. You know, this is a woman of very strong opinions, always kind of was in your face with her opinion. Uh, 
I can be like that myself. But she didn't talk a lot about this. And this was something she did for herself. I'm one of six children. She was a mom at home and probably had her hands full with all of us. Uh, but, but I started to see a change in her. And that to me was the seed that was planted. And that was really attractive. I started going to meetings mostly older people than me, probably in their 40s and older. I probably was the youngest person in the room. But I just kept coming back. And I didn't realize I was a food addict who compulsively overeats. I mean, that's how I act out for the most part. My addiction is my addiction. But how I act out, all of us act out differently. Um, I'm a binge eater. And then I kind of restrict. And I am, am an exercise bulimic. And at times, you know, um, I've had to work through all of those things. Uh, but watching mom was was really stunning. And I'll forever be very, very grateful for her. And also um, a contemplative nun who 35 years ago, I told she was very um, supportive of 12 step programs. And I went to her where she lived in the in the in the convent. And she was a mentor for me. And I just said to her, I'm going nuts. I can't stop eating. And she knew what was going on. And I knelt down in front of her because she was a post-polio survivor. She's in an electric wheelchair. She's got her hand on the joystick. And that's what makes it move. And she's got her hands on my head, praying quietly. And I just felt the voice say to me, just start over, honey. You know, dearie, just start over. So I acted like a newcomer. And I got a home group. I started doing service. I probably started weighing and measuring food and putting out my hand to the newcomer. Um, and I, I still do that today. I don't weigh and measure every meal, but I weigh and measure lots of times. And um, we're in a new clubhouse, a new 12-step clubhouse here where I live in the area. And something told me to bring the mop today and the, and the dustpan and brush, and I did, because all kinds of 12-step meetings are meeting there. And I don't think the floor has been swept. It's been open like a month or so. So I just started mopping and people were cleaning up and doing other stuff. And it, you know, it takes a village. It takes a village for me. Um, I have my go-to people when I'm going squirrely and I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful for the consistency that I've seen in people. We have a very, um, my home group has a very strong recovery, which I'm grateful for. I helped start that meeting. I was one of the prime movers in that meeting because when I started coming to meetings, I went to a noontime Saturday meeting and I knew weekends were really gonna be difficult for me. And when I moved here to where I live now, there were no meetings around too much and I knew I needed a daytime meeting. I needed a, a weekend meeting. There were some meetings around, but I needed a weekend. And that's why I helped start this one and it's uh, grown and we're hybrid. So we zoom along and we um, now are in person, which is really so much fun to see people and get hugs. I'll just bounce off the questions a little bit. Uh, and then I do wanna say one other quote and that's from the Alcoholics Anonymous book before I wrap up. Uh, and I know Marlene's gonna give me a heads up when we get close with that nice smile of hers. Uh, so the questions, which I just kind of answered when we were st starting the meeting. Uh, and these were just to kind of get us jump started in our brains about what to share about something from your early days that was or is really helpful to your recovery. I've got to say meetings. You know, I've been going to meetings for more than half of my life. 12-step uh, recovery is my way of life. And going to meetings is really important because, because I don't look like I've got a problem. I've got a problem in here in between my ears. That's my problem. Uh, food is how I act out. You know, food, somebody I'm working with right now says, you know, food is the solution. She says, food's not her problem. It's the solution, you know, and I believe that, you know, food, uh, in the past, food's been my solution. So I need to go to meetings. I need to have people call me on my stuff. I mean, my sponsors call me on my stuff. I, I can't, um, I can't, mess around with these women they're very strong women and i'm very grateful for that and they love me and they love me and they they, they talk the truth to me so meetings are something that really has held me in good stead over the years 
uh, how and why do you, have I kept coming? You know, I'm an addict. You know, I'm in recovery for food here and alcohol and drugs and, and you know, kind of, you name it, relationships. And, um, you know, I've got a plethora of things that, that I could easily wig out about. But, um, you know, when I get up in the morning, I roll out of bed and I get on my knees and I say the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, the 11th step prayer. And I say, um, please, God, help me know your love, your presence and your will for me. And I got that from um, one of my former pastors at my church, that, that sentence. And it really is a lovely sentence. Um, so that's the basis of my time on my knees. And then I have other things I pray for individually. But I have quiet time. I'm retired now and I have quiet time. And, that's, and that really helps my brain to quiet down. Uh, I trimmed up my food even more about eight years ago. I don't know how many years ago, about eight years ago. And two years, about a year and a half ago, a, a year to a year and a half ago, I finished going through the steps again as outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that has freed me. I cannot begin to tell you, I haven't lost any weight, but it has, I've lost weight in between my ears. I just can't even explain it. It's the process. You know, my sponsor says to me, the book does the work. It really does. The work the book really does the work. Um, another bullet question is, how do you remain right-sized and not an OA star? Well, I bring the mop to the meeting when I get the nudge, right? I do that. I'm not afraid to call a newcomer. I'm not afraid to um, uh, be honest with people. And I, I have a 10th step app on my phone that I do a couple times a week now with a fellow member and that helps me stay in good stead because I know I have to tell on myself to her. It doesn't do it every single day for me, but I but I'm right side, you know, I, I my sponsors keep me right sized and my really close friends and my kids. <laughs> I mean if you want to see if I've changed any, which I don't know, I'd have to ask my long-term friends in the program or my family. I'd have to ask my sisters, I'd have to ask my brother, I'd have to ask my kids and I'd have to ask my husband. If you ask them, they could they could tell you if I've changed at all. Hopefully for the better. I don't know. Um, let's see. Is being in OA easier or harder for you than when you first started? It depends on my attitude on any given day. Five minutes, Jean. Thanks. Thanks, Marlene. So it it really it depends on my attitude. You know, how much of an attitude adjustment do I have to have? You know, how much do I have to, you know, like tweak myself back into, you know, being right sized? Uh, probably the food idea was harder for me at the beginning, but um, I do better with discipline anyway and structure. So it gave me a structure. Back when I came in, we had Alcoholics Anonymous book. We had the Alcoholics Anonymous 12 Steps, 12 Traditions book. And we had some pamphlets that had, that I can remember that had food plans on them that weren't always nutritionally sound, but they were there. That was it, guys. That was what we had for literature. Um, so I don't know. I think the meetings made it easier. And as time's gone by, uh, like I said, it depends on my attitude. An unexpected lesson that I've learned in a way, you know, it's not about me. I used to think the, <laughs> everything, you know, wherever I go, there I am. You know, my biggest fan, you know, I'm not much, but this is all I've got. <laughs> But it is so not about me. It is, it is about carrying, it's about being willing to carry the message of recovery that I have found with someone else. If that person is open and willing and wanting to do it, I put my hand out, you know, just like Roseanne's prayer, put my hand in yours. Uh, did I jump right in or did it take a while? I jumped right in and it took me nine years to get sober with the food. And that's happened over time to start to get sober with the food. And that's happened over time. So it took me nine years to get abstinent. And a year ago, it really, something happened with me with this process going through the big book that really helped me out a lot. And I'm going to end with on page 27, because I really feel like that's what's happening in me. If something is, or I can see it in other people uh, on page 27, Carl Jung is talking with Roland Hazard, he's the certain American businessman who happens to be from Rhode Island, and that's where I'm from. So this is a really cool story for me. 
So in the middle of 27, the doctor's, you know, he's, he's distraught and he's saying, isn't there anything you can do for me, doc? And the doctor says in so many, you know, so here it is here and there once in a while, alcoholics have had what they call, what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, Oof. which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of concept, conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. Um, that, if anything, I mean, I can identify with that. And that's what happens with us. We have these huge emotional displacements such that we don't look like the same person we came in as. Um, so bless you all. Welcome to all 81 of us here today. Welcome anybody new, anybody um, coming back, anybody struggling. Don't give up. Don't quit before the miracle. Um, I've got my number up by my name and I certainly reach out. Thanks. Don't give up the ship. Oh, thank you, Jean. I'm a little frequent to reading, hearing you read about that, the emotional displacements and rearrangements. Um, and I just want to say to everybody here, honey, I'm home. Our next speaker, <laughs> thank you. Our next speaker is Beth. Um, could I just make a quick uh, comment? Uh, Beth, I'm not going to spotlight you because someone removed it anyway. So if people want to see Beth in a larger screen, go up to view and click speaker. Otherwise, you can be on gallery. Hi, everybody. My name is Beth and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater and uh, grateful and uh, humbled to be here this afternoon speaking with you. Uh, I uh, came into Overeaters Anonymous in April of 1978. I was 16 years old at the time. I turned 60 this summer. So I have been in Overeaters Anonymous for just about 43 years. Um, and uh, for over 43 years. And I've been abstinent since June 3rd of 1984. And not perfectly abstinent, but abstinent. Um, so I have a lot of experience, strength, and hope, a lot of uh, 24 hours of keeping coming back. And um, so I came, I was very young. I, I'm a garden variety compulsive overeater. I uh, just want to eat more food. Thank you very much. And, um, and uh, I tried once I came into OA, I heard people talking about things that I never even knew you could do with food. I was like, really? So I tried a few things that I hadn't tried before um, in the way of compulsive behavior. And, um, but I, I knew right away from my very first meeting that Overeaters Anonymous was for me. I had been a fat kid and uh, put on diet pills. And when I was 11 by my pediatrician, um, going to went to overeaters and not I mean to Weight Watchers another uh, program with uh, my mother when I was that age as well and um, so I was just like you I lied I stole I hid I ate food that was too hot and burned my mouth I ate the food that was frozen and uh, and I pulled food out of the trash I took food off the ground I am um, that's the kind of compulsive overeater that I was. I would eat until I could not breathe. And then I would wait until I could breathe and eat some more. So I don't have to, we've all lived our own version of that. And so I don't have to share more about that. What I can say is that I, um, is that I, um, I just kept coming back from the very beginning. One of the things I, that, you know, I heard in the early days was keep coming back at the end of every single meeting that I went to. And that helped me keep coming back, whether I was abstinent or not abstinent. Um, it took me six years to get the abstinence that I have today. And in that time, the longest periods of abstinence I had were nine months. 
and um, so I I was discouraged and I thought well maybe I'm constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself and um, but I kept hearing keep coming back keep coming back at the end of every meeting and I kept coming back and I learned over time that if you want relief go to a meeting you will get you'll find relief at a meeting if I want recovery I need to work the steps that's where recovery is for me and so I learned early to reach out to others it helps other people and it helps me when I am not isolating this is a disease of isolation and if I'm in the food all I want to do is be alone hide and eat I also learned very early do service it's the best way for me to be free from self-centered fear and my self-centered fear activates my character defects and so when I am self-obsessed and uh, and or if I'm thinking about food or if I um, am restless irritable and discontent the most helpful thing I can do uh, is to be of service and um, I did I jumped right in to the fellowship but it took me six years to be willing to abstain no matter what to be willing to abstain even when it was hard even when I didn't feel like it um, and I finally you know compulsive overeating is very persuasive <laughs> and I finally six years later hit my bottom with eating without my permission with the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization that came with binging again and with not being able to stop eating again and I would have this whole thing you know it says no matter you know, the big book talks a lot about the peculiar twist in our brains that has us think oh well having too much food is the right is the next right action and you know I would I would get uh, the driving need to eat would hit me and I would think but I'm not hungry but I don't want to eat but I'm gonna feel terrible if I if I binge but you know I had I would have all these really logical good reasons for not taking the first bite but those couldn't stop me because I have no defense against the first bite without a power a relationship with a power greater than myself um, why do I keep coming back I love my life <laughs> and I never want to go back to where I came from so I keep coming back because this is where I got the life that I have today and I and I I go to meetings where I see and hear the recovery that I want uh, I was at a meeting a few days ago and several people in a row were talking about how they um, were uh, were binging and and I thought thank you God that that is not um, where I live one day at a time and um, and I have been in that position um, but I need to I do need to choose to be around people who have what I want so that I can learn from them about how they got it um, I also keep coming back because OA is my home it is my church this is where I found a personal relationship with a power greater than myself um, as God as I misunderstand it uh, because I have no idea what God is but I know that this is the place that I have found a relation that relationship um, so I you know I would encourage people if you're not seeing if you're at the meetings you're at you're not seeing or hearing the recovery that you want find a new meeting find people who have what you want go to the meetings that they go to um, that's a great way for me to strengthen my recovery yes I absolutely need to be need to be of service to newcomers I absolutely absolutely need to support people who are struggling um, and who are in relapse and I also need to be around people who are are working a solid program and um, and one other other reasons that I keep coming back is because this is a broad highway there is room for all of us here I don't have to eat what you eat I don't have to believe what you believe I don't have to agree with your politics or share your religion or anything like that there is room for all of us here and um, that's made it possible for me to stay 
over time. Um, how do I keep it fresh? I do service. I do service at the individual level, at the group level. Um, and I and I also go deeper, like the previous speaker. I am in multiple 12-step programs. For me, the path got narrower. And um, so I'm actively working for 12-step programs now. I did also spend 10 years in, uh, in another, in a fifth 12-step program. And um, so addressing my other addictions and challenges um, became essential. The path got narrower. My own tolerance for um, struggle, for pain, for chaos, and for drama has gotten a lot lower. I just don't have the tolerance or the interest in those or the appetite for those that I used to have when I was a younger person. And, um, and so when when I am in pain, I I tend to uh, to seek uh, my higher, a path to my higher power. So that has meant that I needed to um, to reach out for other twelve step programs. And I will say that once I got committed to abstaining, no matter what, in this fellowship, um, my adult child of an alcoholic issues flew to the surface and I my OA sponsor said these are Al-Anon issues these are family of origin issues um, and I strongly suggest that you go there and I'm only sharing that because that's part of my OA story because I was in so much pain what I had been eating on top of what I had been eating over for many years um, once I've committed to abstaining, I had no buffer anymore, and I was in so much pain, I thought I would rather be fat than feel like this. And uh, so I became willing to go to another program. Um, and uh, in terms of remaining right-sized and not, not being an OA star, um, I have done service at every level, individual, group, intergroup, and um, world service. And um, so I, I know that we are, we are full of personalities and, um, and we are addicts. <laughs> and so, um, so I, I have let go of service at higher levels um, in my programs and I mostly do individual and group um, service at this point in my time, in my recovery. I also share my challenges and my vulnerabilities. I share my humanity rather than trying to protect an image or project an image. And uh, that helps keep me humble. Um, additionally, when I was a young woman, a teen, and in my early 20s, I was sexually harassed and manipulated by a couple of men in OA who were OA gurus at the time who traveled around the country and around the world speaking at conventions. And so that also made me very wary of OA gurus and OA stars. Um, and um, wound up over time being a big learning for me, but was very, very difficult and damaging. Um, my life is so much easier than it was when I started. And uh, OA is so much easier for me now, mostly because I'm not fighting food every day. <laughs> I'm not obsessed with food 95% of the time, 97% of the time probably. I'm not obsessed with food. And so since I'm not in my head, because when I was actively eating, I would be, let's say, at a social engagement, and I would be having a conversation with somebody looking like I was having a conversation with them. But really what I was doing on the back channel was I saw the food over here on the table. I saw the, the food over there on that table. I knew that where the desserts were. I, and I was thinking, I was planning, how much can I eat without other people seeing me binge? How, when can I eat? I, I became a professional uh, kitchen helper <laughs> because I could be in the kitchen cleaning things up and stuffing my face. Um, that also was a coping mechanism as a young child in an alcoholic family. 
I could be safe going to the kitchen to uh, clean up and uh, and overeating and stuffing my feelings there. Um, so I'm not having these conversations every day where it's like, well, should I eat this or should I eat that? Um, and, have, and negotiating all the time. Um, I have abstained many different ways over the last 43 years. I, I abstained for over 20 years with three meals a day, nothing in between, one day at a time, no banned foods. I ate whatever I wanted. I ate moderately. It totally worked for me. I have abstained um, just not eating sugar. Um, I have abstained weighing in me uh, for the last 11 years. Um, mostly I've weighed and measured my food. I no longer eat flour or sugar. Um, and I, and I, because they're too sexy for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so what I've learned is that it's really important for me personally not to eat the foods that are too sexy for me. And they may be totally different from the foods that are too sexy for you. But my life just works better. I have more serenity, more ease when I don't eat peanut butter. I've eaten it abstinently for decades. But it's too sexy and it talks to me. And when I eat it, I want to eat it abstinently for breakfast and for lunch and for dinner. Too sexy, I just don't eat peanut butter. Um, and what happens as a result of not eating the foods that are too sexy for me, even if they're abstinent foods, even if they're totally fine foods for lots of other people, is I have more serenity. And I value my serenity more today than I value you know, uh, feeling like I'm entitled to eat uh, certain foods. Um, and another reason that OA is easier for me now is that when life is hard, because life is hard, right? Hard things happen. People we love get sick, they die, merit, uh, relationships begin, they end, we struggle, children, people we love struggle. Life can be really hard. Beth, when, five minutes, Beth. Thank you so much, Marlene. When life is hard, I don't compound my problems by overeating because I learned that when I do that, then I have two problems. I have the same problem I ate over and I have the problem of how the heck do I get abstinent again? And so I gave up that struggle. I don't compound my problems by, by binging and overeating. I also have a, a fellowship I have steps, I have tools, um, and because at, directly as a result of working the 12 steps multiple times in multiple programs, but many times in Overeaters Anonymous, I create less trouble in my own life and in my relationships now than I used to. And so it's easier. And when I do create trouble for myself or others, especially when I harm others or hurt others, uh, step on other people's toes, I'm able to apologize and make amends for that. And, and even more important than being willing and able to apologize is I am able to change my behavior so that I don't continue to harm others. And you know what? Living this way means I don't get hungry all the time. <laughs> and I used to be hungry pretty much all the time. Um, um, unexpected lessons. OA for me is not about being perfect. I thought there was a perfect way to work the program, that it was about getting perfect. If I worked the program the right way, then I would be perfect. And like, and that perfect was the goal. And I learned that that's not true. Um, I also learned that I still need OA, even uh, that I'm still an addict, even when I'm not acting out. And that, um, my life just works better when I'm working the steps, I'm using the tools, um, and I'm participating in fellowship. Um, I've also learned that abstinence is really about honesty for me. And, um, and so telling my sponsor, I've had many sponsors over the last 43 years. I've sponsored many people over the last 43 years. Um, and, um, and my life is better um, when I'm telling the truth about 
everything, but especially about my food. Because I'm a compulsive overeater and I have this little addict brain, I want to figure out a way to game the system and, uh, and have just a little bit of something that's uh, either too sexy or, um, or too interesting for me. Or, you know, behaviors, I really need to pay attention to the behaviors that don't work for me as well. It's, I'm in trouble if I start eating standing up, if I'm eating in the car, if I'm eating while I'm preparing food. Those, those behaviors don't work for me in the same way that peanut butter doesn't work for me anymore. And so um, being willing and able to be honest about, about that with my sponsor and with others is critically important to me. So, um, that's a little bit of my journey and, um, and how it is that I'm, I keep coming back 43 years later, 43 and a half years later. And I don't know why I got here so young. I was spared the last 10 or 15 years of literal hell that a lot of people experienced um, who came in later in life. I feel like my higher power just grabbed me by the scruff of the neck like a little puppy and brought me to OA and I knew that I was home. I was 16. I came with three high school friends. We went to our first meeting and after I heard this woman share a story that I could not relate to at all, blackout eating. She was probably at my the age I am now <laughs> uh, at that meeting. I turned, so I heard her story. I saw the light in people's eyes and I turned to the friend I was with on my left and I said, this is it. And I have never left by the grace of God. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Beth. Uh, wow. So we're now going to open the floor for two-minute shares. Chat is now open. If you want to share, please put your hand up using the raise hand function found in the reactions tab. If you need help, you can also put a message in the chat and one of the hosts can help you out. If you're calling in on a telephone, please press star nine. So I'm going to call on people, and when it's your turn to speak, you're going to see a prompt on your screen asking you to unmute. I'm going to see the hands raised in the order in which they go up. At that time, please select unmute to speak. And Marlene, the timer, is going to signal when time is up. We'd like to know uh, where you're from and how long you've been in OA. Please remember that our traditions state that OA has no opinion on outside issues. Some examples of outside issues are politics, religion, diet, treatment programs, non-OA approved literature, and other 12-step fellowships. Therefore, please base your sharing on your OA experience and do not include outside issues. Please stick to the topic of this meeting, which is long timers, more than 25 years in OA. The meeting is now open for sharing. Okay, so... I'm calling on Michelle. You should be able to unmute. Thank you. Hi, I'm Michelle Z, um, compulsive overeater in New York City. I've been in OA since 1973. Hmm. And um, I too have kept coming back. That's my message to keep coming back. Um, I've had years of abstinence and years of, of relapse. And my current abstinence is a, a few years. Um, I keep coming back because I don't want to take a chance of not coming back. I don't know if, if, I, if I hadn't been here, if I hadn't kept coming back, if I was still alive, I would be morbidly obese and probably in a wheelchair because I have all kind of joint um, problems and for today, I can walk and, you know, live my life. I, I do service at meetings. I sponsor a few people. Um, I love the idea of, uh, I, I'm hesitant to, to, to go to meetings that I'm not used to going to. And I love the idea of, I mean, during COVID, I could go to meetings all over the world. I would like to expand my meeting um, 
parameters. And um, and that's all I want to say. Better to hear from other people. I just want to share. Keep coming back if you're new or if you're having problems. Keep coming back. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Bryce B, you should be unmuted. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Bryce. I'm a very, very grateful compulsive eater. Uh, transplant from New York, now living in Sarasota, Florida. Um, I just want to thank the speakers. I loved, loved, loved hearing you. I want to say that I got into OA in 1980. I heard the speaker then, her name was Thelma, and she loved OA with her whole heart. And uh, she kept saying, just keep coming back. And one of the things she said is, the food is always going to be there. Don't worry about it. You know, if you go someplace and you don't reach for this and you don't reach for that, don't worry about it. Whenever you want it, it's going to be there. And she was such an inspiration. Today, last January, with the grace of God, I celebrated 40 years of abstinence because Thelma's voice is still in my head and my heart. I am so grateful. I, I love what you said, Beth. My abstinence is about honesty. That's really how I work my program. Honest, open, and willing. That's always the message I give. It starts with honesty. I have to be rigorously honest in all my affairs, um, and especially with the food. If, uh, if I've been eating an abstinent food and suddenly it, quote unquote, gets sexy, then I don't eat it anymore. Uh, and I've had a wonderful, wonderful serene uh, recovery. And I, I will tell you, um, I, I would absolutely give it up to God. I, I think my, my recovery is totally based in my relationship with God, um, just believing that God loves me. And uh, God has always been there for me, even when I was a child. And I've had a lot, a lot of adversity, an awful lot of adversity, including two bouts of cancer. Um, and recently- Time, uh, Time. Okay, very good. Thank you, guys. I love you to pieces. Take care. Thank you, Bryce. Monica. Hi, I'm Monica, compulsive overeater, and um, I really love this. I didn't get a chance to go to a meeting like this before, so this is my first old timers meeting, and I am so proud to be an old timer. I just turned 70 last Wednesday, and that's like, wow, and I've been in program. I walked into program when I was in college, my last year of college. Somebody said, I think you need a little help here, girl. And um, so I walked in in 1974 and uh, I took it as a diet. Sorry, guys, I just took it as a diet. I wanted to be hot. I wanted to attract all of the men. And yet I did. And I finally found somebody to marry. And um, I kind of walked out of the rooms. I kept the diet, but walked out of the rooms. But after having children, oh no, to, uh, life was very challenging. Yes, it was. And I appreciate the speakers today. And, um, you know, I came back in 1991 on Long Island. I live on Long Island right now, and we have a very strong Nassau OA down here, and I love it. And it's helped me. I have been imperfect. I haven't binged. I haven't picked up, and I've been abstinent for years. Sorry, I, I just don't count, but I count the 30 years of really working program. And what really held me into a real strong program is doing step four. I didn't think anything was wrong with me. Oh no, why should I do a step four? Because when I came in, I was innocent. I was the victim. But now I know that my side of the fence has to be cleaned up each and every day with a step 10. I do my step 10 all the time because life is very, very difficult. And I am so glad that we have Zoom. I don't know how I would have gotten through the pandemic without the Zoom. And I just love being here. Everyone is so beautiful. And I consider myself beautiful now too, because I belong to this group. Yes, this group, these gals that kept coming back. It's Thanks, always Monica. about, yeah, welcome home. Thank you. Mm. Oh, thank you so much, Monica. Martha. Hi, I'm Martha, compulsive overeater, relapse survivor, living in the state of grace today. And, uh, 
I want to be long here in this group. I am only 17 years in, but I'm here because I want to belong in this small group of people. And so I need to hear what you have to say. Uh, and I got a lot out of this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being the footsteps in front of me. And uh, I look forward to the time when I can actually qualify here. <laughs> that would be wonderful. So thank you very much. Thanks, Martha. Rhonda, you're up. I'm here. Thanks, everyone. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Rhonda. I'm a compulsive eater. I'm from New York, I'm in New York, and I'm delighted to be here. Um, I always enjoy the Region 6 conventions. It's great to hear people who I have heard, people who I have not heard, newcomers and everyone alike. Um, I, I heard really such powerful messages, but what really sticks with me, my current abstinence is July, 7, July 1st of 2014, and I've been in OA for 26 years, is, is service and keep coming back. You know, I can't do this alone. Uh, it's a WE program. Um, as long as I'm walking high, side by side with a power greater than myself, who I choose to call um, grace for me, I, I can't go wrong. I just can't go wrong. And um, I keep going back to the steps, keep working, but I'm delighted to have all these meetings and just to connect and hear, um, hear the voices of recovery. Because to me, you all are the voices of recovery. So thanks, everyone. I pass. Thank you so much, Rhonda. So it's 3.20 and we still have a few minutes. This, this session closes at 3.30 and I don't see any hands up. So there's Jan. Okay, Jan. Uh, you should be able to unmute. I'm trying to invite you to unmute. There we go. Hi everyone, I'm Jan. I'm a compulsive overeater from Evanston, Illinois near Chicago. Um, I came into OA in 1986 when I was 26, and um, this weekend is my abstinence anniversary weekend, but I don't want to, I'll just say it's 364 days, <laughs> 31 years and 364 days. Um, I'm delighted. Um, I had on my calendar, it said long timers, and I, I had to search the internet to find out what, what, what it was that I had written down. So I'm so pleased to be here. And to hear the stories, thank you to the speakers um, who seem combined telling my story, um, you know, coming in as a young person. And, and I also, everybody kept saying, keep coming back, you know, no matter what place I was in, still struggling with the food, keep coming back. Nobody ever judged what was going on with my program. And I, I think about my first sponsor, who was just a lovely, lovely woman. And we, you know, we had the big book. We, I did my fourth step with her. And I just remember that on my way home, I did not do the binge that I had planned on on the way there. And so, you know, this, it's, it's a program of miracles and uh, just a lot of gratitude, you know, for, for being here a day at a time. So I pray to keep coming back. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jan. Still a few minutes. I'll call on myself very briefly and then I'll call on Carol. I'm Margaret Ann, a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Um, as I said at the beginning, I came into Overeaters Anonymous in February of 1990 at 215 pounds of chain smoking suicidal fun. And I'm so excited to be at this convention this weekend. I have missed very few Region 6 conventions since I came in here. And I, I just, I share the experience with so many people that I've heard today. So I guess I'm just, I'm just adding my ditto that, you know, one of the paradoxes is that things have changed. And I know I've changed so much in those over 30 years. And yet um, the things that I had to accept and the actions that I had to take in the first week of abstinence are still the actions I take today. And yet, as it's, you know, as, as other people have said, the path gets narrower. And I think my, so yeah, my capacity these days to tolerate a lot of stress, tension, 
uh, disquiet, dis-ease is, is much, much lower. And that's why I need the steps in my life, because the steps made it so that there was no longer anything that food could fix. But, um, and I also liked what I heard, that food wasn't my problem. Food was the solution, and the solution stopped working. But the underlying causes are still there. And that's why I'm still in these rooms so many years later. Thank you all so much for being here. And Carol, you should be able to unmute now. Hi, I'm Carol, grateful recovering compulsive eater. Hi everyone. Thank you so much to both um, speakers and everyone doing service for this workshop. Fabulous uh, talks, I really appreciated them. Um, I was thinking about how I've been in OA for almost 27 years and um, came in and got early abstinence for a couple of years and then had up and down and around for many years in and out of relapse and slipping and sliding and now have almost 10 years of solid abstinence. And I say that because I want people who haven't been able to get solid abstinence back to back to know that it can be done. I, I never thought that I would be able to say that I have almost 10 years. And it was because of something, a, a bunch of things, a big part of it was I just hit bottom and became much more willing to do what people suggested, especially my sponsors. And, um, but I also went to a new meeting because I had moved and that meeting had a lot of recovery in it. So just to piggyback on what the first speaker said, um, going to meetings with lots of recovery really, really helped me. And um, I also want to say I read this morning in the AA Daily Reflections um, about how important it is to carry the message that technically we can reach millions of people. We can reach millions of people. I thought, well, that's an overstatement, but you know, it really isn't. Because if I spread the message to 10 people and they spread it to 10 and each of them spreads it to 10, we're at a thousand before you know it. And so I think that we all have that responsibility, especially as long timers. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carol. And so finally, JM, if you can take us out with the last share. You should be able to unmute. I'm Joan from uh, Maine, and I've been in program now 41 years, one day at a time. And today, and I, I have to accept and bless all of the situations of my life. And I'm grateful everybody's done service because now I have Alzheimer's disease and sometimes I can't remember what Jim says yesterday, five minutes ago, but all of my OA, everything I have learned in OA is, is that very far, very, very far, um, My, my distant memory, I can't seem to make myself seen on the thing, but my, my distant memory, so everything that everybody says about OA, I remember, you know, and I remember that God does for me what I cannot do for myself. And my drug of choice today is self-pity. You know, I, I know that my, my God lives inside of me, within my heart and my soul. And if I listen to the still small voice, I, I can continue my day. And I know that my my higher power will give me the the strength to to live through the day 
you know, I start with my prayer and meditation. And now that I'm retired, you know, I can just sit here. That's time, J.M. Thank you. I'm, I'm so grateful for this program. Thank you so much for sharing, J.M. We'd like to thank everyone who attended this workshop. And we're now going to close this meeting with the serenity prayer. Uh, God, 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 grant me the serenity, me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, courage to change the things I can't change. Hey, Rhonda. Hey. Hey, Jean. Thanks for coming back. It works if you work it. Thank you. It's fantastic. I'll work it, you're worth it. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Nice to meet you, Beth. You as well. Thank you so much.